Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of I'm Blake Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. All right. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'd like to welcome a guest into the show who is a pre-construction technology evangelist who speaks at industry events on construction technology, marketing best practices, and effective business operations. She's also a talented marketing leader and a self-confessed data nerd. Jolie Oval, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christian, for having me. Um, it's it's really great to have you on here, and uh, you know why don't we just get things started with uh, something that you and I uh, talked about during the, uh, in fact, the pre-interview call. So you, you know you've developed your expertise and built your career um, around, I would say, is a pretty important area. That's data for B two B marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So explain why you believe that leading with data is so important, not just in your field, but you know, in B two B marketing in general, and how that helps you to become a better marketer. So in, in other words, what are the advantages of being data-driven? Well, you know, one of the things that data allows us to do as marketing professionals is it removes the emotions from decision-making. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of marketers that they may be a department of one. And whenever you're at that department of one, or even a few, or even if there's several, a lot of times whenever you can use data, and you see the black and white of, you know, how your audience is reacting to whatever initiatives or content you're putting out there, it helps you make those decisions going forward of what needs to change and what needs to be tweaked. Um, I use this phrase quite a bit in talking with people about this of, you know, as marketers, we're creating a lot of the times and someone wants to come back and they want to change what we were supposed to be doing or, you know, hey, I have a tweak here. Can we edit this? And like, how dare you tell me my baby is ugly? And so there is a lot of emotion whenever it comes into marketing. And whenever you can use the data and say, yep, you know what, you're right. Let's make some changes to that initiative. Let's, let's tweak this blog post. Um, You know, let's, Let's change how we're doing social media strategy. It definitely helps um, to look at the data and going, yeah, let's try this. Let's do some A-B testing. Um, because again, we're very proud of our babies, but sometimes our babies do need to be edited every once in a while. So that definitely helps. Yeah, no, those are those are definitely some interesting points. And I mean, you know, I, I, I would even um, dare say that Leading with uh, like data is so important because it helps you to like understand um, patterns and customer behavior. It helps um, you and your team also to make, uh, and, and in fact, even uh, other members of the organization uh, to make uh, informed decisions based yeah. on uh, based on what the data is telling you. Correct? Oh yeah. Well, and even then, it's you know, in modern marketing, we're doing this omni-channel approach to get in front of people, and then yeah. um, you know. And even then, the, these omni-channel uh, that we're using, they're disconnected. And so trying to make sense of what's working on one platform may not be working on another platform. And using data to, to look at that and make those decisions. I mean, marketing has a lot going on. Um, so using data to help us make those decisions and give us a big picture of it is really great because we can get really focused in tunnel vision whenever we're working on a specific yeah. initiative. But, you know, if you have these, um, you know, these peaks and these valleys of of how what we're putting out there as marketers is being consumed and what's working, 
Like part of me is like, hey, whatever's working, let's do more of that. But if you don't have the data to know what's working, then you're almost spinning your wheels. And, and it is one of those things of like, you feel like you can never get ahead because yeah. you don't know what to measure or you don't know, you know, how people are accepting it. Correct. And it's it, it's back to that old adage of like, you know, what doesn't get measured doesn't get improved, right? Exactly. Well, and, and even then it's, uh, you know, Data in the black and white is great for, you know, decisions in the here and now, in the short term. Um, the other thing, and I think a lot of, of marketers that maybe aren't necessarily leading a department yet or, or on the leadership team, you know, data also helps you, one, gives you the experience, again, in black and white, in numbers um, of what works. And then you can use that experience and what you read into those numbers for forecasting. Um, so a lot of times forecasting feels like a quote unquote gut decision and that's not necessarily the case it's years of experience it's what you know that has worked in the past um and then also being able to say you know what there's seasonal changes um there's different things that just come up that you know is going to happen and being able to pull in that information from years of uh whether it's social media um campaigns or uh, advertising or, you know, virtual events, in-person events, being able to take all that data and really apply it to what you want to do for marketing for your business and really driving your business forward is, um, is always be able, it's really nice to be able to pull that in and help you make those decisions. But Christian, honestly, like I'm the worst whenever it comes to making gut decisions. Uh, I think the other people on my leadership team would be like, Julie, just make that, you know, what is your gut telling you? And I'm like, Ooh, let me go pull up that chart. Let me make sure that yeah. I'm not going to be wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the more that you look at the data and the more that you look at the trends over time, the the more confidence that people get going into forecasting and, and making those decisions uh, for the long-term success for business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that, that's a great insight. And I love how you brought up, um, the topic of change because um you know i i, I promise you we're, we're not going to talk about um covid <laughs> during this conversation but um certainly uh, one thing that we can say is that last year was the year of changes across the board right and you know that's applicable across uh, several industries several disciplines um data for b2b marketing is certainly no exception so um you know on that note Let's uh, let's jam a little bit on this because um you know I'm I'm sure you've got a few good ones here, the key misconceptions that you've seen out there that people have when it comes to using data for B2B marketing. So what what, what do you let's say what are the re, um the repeat offenders, uh, in your opinion? Um you know I I think one of the myths uh you can say it two ways is I don't know what to measure or it can't be measured, and I hear right um people have gone well you know marketing is really tough to measure. And it is if you don't know what to measure, right? So, you know, my yes. my advice is to, you know, one, it is a myth. Two, start with the goal in mind. So for um, for my business, for my company, our goal in mind is that we want to generate a ton of marketing qualified leads. And so if that's our goal, then we work back with what we want to measure. Um, and I think a lot of times people are focusing on, you know, open rates of an email or, um you know, how many times do people come to the website? You know, that might be the might me the right metric from them, but it's like, okay, so what is your end goal? Does that help you get to that end goal? And sometimes there is a lot of connecting the dots between what you can measure and what the end goal is. Um, so for example, hey, I want to know how many people come to our website. Well, because I have equated how many people come to our website 
means how many demos are going to be requested. And then once we get that demo request, how many of those turn into an opportunity for our sales team? And then from those sales opportunities, how many of those turn into customers? So, I mean, I have all these conversion rates that track all the way through. And, um, and again, I know that they're not set in stone because the conversion rates change. And I know that we're not going to talk about COVID, but I will say like being nimble with what you're measuring and how you're measuring it, because a global pandemic comes up, you need to be able to, to turn on a dime. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, uh, the year of 2020 allowed us to do is, is really to focus on what to measure. So uh, again, I think a lot of people say that of like, can't be measured or I uh, don't know what to measure start with the end goal in mind. And a lot of times the end goal is not a marketing goal. It's a business goal. Mm -hmm. So right. um, just make sure that people know what they're measuring. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, I, I, I like how you, um, how you mentioned that about like, it's not necessarily a, um, a marketing goal. It's also a business goal. And I think it ha these two have to be intertwined somehow, because, you know, there's, there's that discussion about like how marketing has to be responsible for a part of the revenue um, that, you know, and, and that's how uh, marketing has evolved as a discipline. Um, not just now, but it's, you know, just, just even, even if you look back at the, uh, at the past couple of years, and um, I like how you brought up, uh, you know, what to measure and why, I mean, like, you, you know, take this podcast as an example, right? Do I measure how many people downloaded? Um, the podcast episodes, or do I measure it by, okay, uh, how many people actually have listened to the podcast episodes from start to finish? How many people interact with me on a regular basis on different platforms to say that they've actually learned something from listening to the interviews? And, you know, you, you measure, you measure the quality or the outcome in that manner, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's, uh, like I said, it really depends on what the company's goals are. Uh, and if, yeah. and I will say, this is where I'm going to give marketers some fire behind them. Of, go 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 <laughs> you know that you know if you're looking at your your company goals one hopefully your company has goals two if you're looking yes. at your company goals and you cannot make a direct connection between marketing and your company goals are your company goals the right goals because again i mean marketing plays into a bunch of different things within uh an organization and i think a lot of times you know companies may look at marketing as overhead or an an admin role and that's not the case marketing is very strategic and if your if your company goals do not include the things that marketing can affect then you know your your marketing is going to suffer not your marketing team just your business's marketing is going to suffer because again you haven't put emphasis behind that for people to really you know sink their teeth into and say, okay, we can make this happen because marketing is going to own a piece of the revenue. Sales is going to own yeah. a piece of brand recognition. Um, mm -hmm. Your development team is going to make sure that they're communicating trends and uh, you know what our customers are saying that they like about specific features back to marketing because then we can turn that into more content and other stuff. Mm -hmm. That's not forefront. Um, there's no matter how much good marketing you have, no how much money you throw at marketing, if that's not part of a company goal, it's going to suffer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, Julie, you know, we're, start, we're, we're currently at the start of 2021. And uh, as I've mentioned in the past couple of minutes, again, not necessarily talking about COVID, but we've just, come, we've just come out of one of the most challenging years for businesses across the different markets worldwide. Right. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about some of the changes to the landscape that you've seen 
as a result um, of the pandemic, uh, and especially with regards to like data for B2B marketing. Yeah, you know, uh, I know I told you this in our pre-interview mm-hmm. call, but um, yeah, I think it was like in, you know, very beginning of, of COVID, uh, March, April time. And I, I had a frank conversation with my boss, who's the CEO of my company. And I said, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never marketed during a a global pandemic. I have no idea what to do. Because we started to see, you know, people's interactions with our website and our social media and our email open rates be very different than what I've seen any kind of seasonality in years before. And part of it was is because people were working from home or people are trying to figure out how do I work from home and have my children do virtual schooling and, you know, all this other stuff. Um, so I really believe last year made us very agile and very nimble as a marketing department, because again, we started to see spikes and valleys in our data and it's like, okay, cool. Let's go in and let's change something. Let's try something different. Let's put out, we started putting out different content that had nothing to do with what we sold or, or who our demographic was. We started putting out content about, hey, what's the best way to work from home? How to set up a home office? We got tons of traffic off of that. And because we got tons of traffic off of that, it also helped with our search engine optimization. Um, it actually got in front of people going, hey, you guys are different. This is great. So it, it built up our brand and, and all that. So, um, you know, that was a great way. I, the other thing, um, and I think we're all still facing this, and I don't think it's going away, which um, I wanted to bring it up, virtual events. Yes. Virtual events are everywhere. And, um, you know, for some people, they're like, great. I hate going to in-person events. I don't want to go and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. For other people, they're really struggling because in-person events, you know, from a business side, they generate a lot of leads from um, a personal side. You get to connect with people that maybe you only see once a year at an in-person event. Um, And I'm going to do not being sponsored, but I'm going to plug it anyway. Um, Please. Andrew Davis is actually doing some short videos right now on his YouTube channel um, through the loyalty loop program that he has about taking these virtual events and not replacing the in-person events. You want to think of a virtual event as this whole new being within marketing. And so for the companies that can actually take a virtual event and make it interactive and something that people want to engage with, Think of what that's going to do to our marketing budgets going forward. Because if if you can be just as successful with a virtual event as you were with an in-person event, and you don't have to fly people out, you don't have to get a a hotel room, you don't have to buy stuff for a booth, you don't have to, you know, all this stuff that goes with in-person events. Like, that's huge if you can actually make a virtual event work for you now. Yeah, absolutely. Once we're past, um, you know, the the trials and tribulations of COVID and we were able to do in-person events um, safely. Imagine stacking, you know, the virtual events and the in-person events into the same uh, calendar year. Like what are yeah. we going to do for marketing? That'd be huge. Uh, absolutely. Well, you can probably kiss those trade shows in Vegas. Goodbye. But like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Vegas uh, is not one of my favorite places to go, but uh, yeah. man, if I could get the same kind of ROI out of a virtual event versus an in-person event, let's mm-hmm. do that every single week. Yeah. No, you brought up, you know, you, I mean, you brought up a ton of great insights, but I think, well, I think one of them that really stood out was this whole um, concept of uh, just imagining how quickly now through this rapid digitalization, um, you know, that's that's going on now, especially in the B2B space, how rapidly um, 
companies could actually scale what they're doing, um, you know, online versus like what you said, because um, it, it's, it's, it's true, um, you know, any way you look at it, um, flying people to a certain destination to attend a conference and summit, the, the, the transportation and accommodation costs and all that. I mean, it's it, costs aside, but it's time, right? Oh, yeah. It's it, it's time that they could have been uh, that they could have actually spent generating said lead already, and you know by doing all of that online, they've probably just like cut. I, I wouldn't say that they've completely like you know um, replaced the in person events, but they probably like saved a lot of time in you know um, getting those events and those sales conversions. Oh yeah, well, and you know one of the things that we look at um, at Beck Technology is. You know, I, I mentioned ROI, so that's return on investment. The other thing that we look at is return on value. And return on value is something that like you, you got to put some more uh, data points behind that one to really calculate it. But it's like, you know, the ROI of how much did we spend and how much did we get out of it? The return on value is what, if, what am I going to be able to carry out of that event that's going to be better going forward? Because I think that ROV, like, Hey, if I spend $10,000 and then I get $12,000 back, my ROI on that one is two grand, right? But my return on value of like, man, I got to connect with customers. Um, I got to talk to an industry partner that I've been meaning to, to connect with. And so like, there's that ROV, that return on value that takes you out further. And I think, you know, as we're talking about B2B and data, like that's one of the things of don't always look at the ROI look at the return on value and then anything that you're doing as a marketing initiative that can really generate tons of value focus on that exactly exactly and um if i i hope i understood you correctly but i think what you were saying earlier julie was that um you know when hopefully things do roll back to normal eventually whatever normal is now um are we gonna uh, would you say that um we're probably going to see something of a hybrid model in terms of these shows, these trade shows. Like it's going to be a, a mixture of like virtual and in-person. Oh yeah. I definitely think that. And I think, uh, you know, um, in the B2B space, especially in, in my industry and in, in construction, you know, continuing education is very important. Um, and so I think, you know, for people that they may have to get away from their office. They may have to get away from their house in order to um, continue that education. And also, you know, especially in construction, and I know in a lot of other industries, you know, building up relationships. Uh, there's only so much you can do over video conferencing and being able to sit down and break bread with people goes a long way. And so um, I think there is going to be a hybrid. And I think it's going to be better for business. I think it's going to be better for our sanities. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think there's, I think companies are going to figure out, hey, if we were successful during the year 2020 with these different initiatives and one of them may be virtual events, cool. How do we keep doing that going forward? And for some of these, you know, in-person events that we didn't really get a lot of value out of it, can we replace and create our own virtual event do it for a cheaper cost and not have to tax our teams with logistics of traveling around the country, um, but still, you know, meet our revenue goals and meet business goals. I think there's going to be a lot of that that we're going to see going forward. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, 
Book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. All right, Julie, I'm going to ask you to like stop whatever it is you're doing right now and please take out your crystal ball. Okay. And look deep into the future and tell me your top predictions uh, when it comes to data for um, B2B marketing. So uh, it's going to be my crystal ball and my wish list, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so this first one, my, my wish list is like, man, what if all of the data that we had within marketing lived in one platform? Wow. Amen to that. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, that'd be so awesome. And like, I would just, yes. I'd be so much more productive with my day mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have to jump into all these different platforms. Um, mm -hmm. And I know we can do some of it today through platforms like Power BI and Google Data Studio. Studio. Yes, yes. But a lot of that is still, um, you need to have some uh, knowledge of how to work those big, heavy platforms and how to connect the data and how to make the data talk to each other because it's uh, me pulling an Excel file from one platform yes. and Excel file from the other platform and then making them talk and Power BI, not the same. Like, you know, right, yes, yes, yes. Some rigging of that. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, if anyone's out there, that's my wish list and I think it's also going to happen one day. Um, yes. I think another thing is that like we started off uh, this conversation with, uh, mm -hmm. um, I think there's going to be some marketing initiatives more and more people are going to be doing this of recognizing what marketing initiatives are actually driving revenue dollars. And that's mm. very apparent. And I think, um, you know, as marketing and sales becomes better aligned through data, I think that's where it's going to happen. And mm. I tell my, um, my marketing department all the time, whatever we can do to make our salesperson's life easier, let's do that. Because, mm. you know, it's a lot easier for a salesperson to respond to someone requesting a demo requesting yes. information versus picking up the phone and making cold calls. And so, Oh, please God. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and what we've also noticed, and I'm going to throw out some numbers for you. Please. We've noticed that anytime that we have an inbound come in, they close. Um, we have a pretty long sell cycle, but they close um, about, um, I'm probably going to say 45% faster than if someone was picking up the phone and calling someone to see if they want to buy our software. Um, so they close 45% faster. Um, you know, if we can get more of those, then like, ideally, I want to have a salesperson, you know, sitting out in their hammock and being able to respond to a demo request and still be super successful. If, you know, if marketing is having them do that, heck yes, I want to do that all the time because that means that we're getting more customers faster and we're going to hit our revenue goal for the company. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not opposed from anyone working in their hammock. Trust me, if I could do it, if I could have two monitors in my hammock, <laughs> I would do it. I just yeah. figured out. That I mean, I, I, I'd love to do that too, Julie, but unfortunately it's just too cold in Toronto. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in Texas, it's lovely and, and I could probably do it today, but I haven't figured out the two monitor system in the hammock yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh that could be another one on your wish list. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here. Um, and I have, I have one more for my prediction for B2B. Marketing. Okay. Those that can tell the story behind the numbers will win. Oh, yeah. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, if marketers can really dig into the data that they have and they can tell their leadership at their company 
um, if they can tell their own department head, whoever it may be that, you know, holds the the purse strings or, or whatever may happen at their company, they'll get more budget, they'll get more resources, and they'll get more tools to grow the right kinds of data. Because again, if I can say, hey, our virtual events are driving in a lot of leads, great, let's bring in someone who specializes in virtual events. Let's bring someone in who can do video editing instead of us outsourcing it. Let's bring someone in who can do cool graphics. Let's really put an emphasis in getting our customers to come on and tell their story and their successes with our software. Um, so I, again, I think the marketers that look at their data start to piece together that story and can actually communicate that well to other people in their in their business, they're going to start to see some rewards out of that because people are going to take notice of going, oh, wow, this actually works. Let's do more of it. Mm. 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 That's an amazing list. Um, hopefully, um, some of those things will definitely come true in the near future. I, I, I have a feeling that somebody's working on um, at least at least one of those things that you've listed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, I'm still working on all crossed. of them. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, indeed. And and uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, I, I, I read a report a couple of weeks back, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Because like, you know, one of the things also that they're talking about moving forward is clearly as the technology is is, is um, continuing to develop further, and obviously there there's a little bit of AI in the mix as well. Um, they're talking about like um, things like hyper-targeting, right? Like for like you know, using uh, using data to identify certain patterns within uh, target groups of customers, um, you know, and, and and to and to use that information and those insights to help drive uh, not just marketing initiatives but sales initiatives. Because I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could anticipate um, what what the target audience is gonna is gonna do or how they're they're gonna react to a certain piece of content? I mean, that I, I think that'd be a bit of a game changer. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's that's where kind of account based marketing comes into play. Whenever, um, and again, I think, and I use account-based marketing to reference what you're just talking about of like, it's not always company XYZ and I'm going to market that one company and go deep and go wide in that one company. I think also account-based marketing are, you know, it's, it's for those decision makers. It's for the end user. And I can do different things to those people based off of, you know, what their role is within their company, how they're actually um, touching my company's website. I hate to, I don't think uh, anybody's going to be shocked by this, but we can see all of that and we use that information um, to target them with specific types of email campaigns. And hey, you know what's coming back? This isn't data related, but I'm still going to say it because I think it's a mess piece. Um, snail mail, it's a beautiful oh. marketing initiative. Do more. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. we, that, that, that funny thing. <laughs> yeah. We're doing a lot of that um, this year as well. So snail mail coming right to your mailbox and we're going to be doing that. So, um, you know, I think as companies get more into account-based marketing and really that hyper uh, specific stuff of what people are doing in just day-to-day, -day, what, you know, what their hobbies are. If you're not used to looking at Google stuff, Google it can tell you what kind of hobbies that you're into and they'll tell it to someone who's willing to pay for it. So um, there, there's so much you can do out there with data, not only the data that a company generates, but also, like you were mentioning, the data that people just have on their digital footprint of how can you read the tea leaves and then make sure that you're one of those tea leaves that they're in front of all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the, uh, with the term digital footprint and, and to a certain, a certain um, extent tea leaves as well. Um, <laughs> so um, 
you mentioned a you've mentioned a few platforms earlier, Julie. But like, you know, what are some of your top data analysis tools for B two B marketing? Um, you know, that you would recommend to people out there. Yeah, so um, I, I'm going to start off with like the the freebies, and then we'll go up. Sure. So, uh, you know, I think the simplest one, Google Analytics. And I know it's a big, heavy piece of machinery out there that you look at stuff and you're going, what are all these numbers mean? Take the time, study it. I know that Google has some certifications that you can do with Google Analytics. Um, yes. It gives you tons of information and not just Google Analytics. There's also the Google uh, Search Console, a lot of good information out of that. Um, we also track Alexa web ranking. Um, it's, okay. not, it's not the Alexa that sits in your home. Um, it is part of the Amazon uh, platform, but it's a Alexa web ranking and tells you how your website's doing in comparison to maybe some of your competitors out there. Um, right. You know, another analysis tool, your CRM. I mean, people should be able to pull data out of uh, whatever uh, CRM system they're using, whether it's it's Salesforce or HubSpot or Dell Tech. I mean, there's there's all sorts of them out there. Um, but being able to pull that information and really see, and I think that's where you start getting into the granularity of who's the the decision maker at a company, um, and you know how often are they interacting with the email content that you're sending out? How often are they responding to a salesperson's email or phone call? I'd be mean, able to look at that stuff is pretty powerful. And then you start going into like the Power BI. And we use Power, um, and I know earlier I mentioned the Google Data Studio. It's a similar platform. Um, my company, we use Power BI, so I'm a little bit more familiar with that one. Um, but we're able to bring in the data across the entire company and look at it in one snapshot. And that is very helpful whenever you start talking about customer renewals. Um, also, like how quickly uh, that time to market value of a customer, we keep track of that. And we want to reduce that number every single year and every single quarter. So um, being able to see that in one platform. Um, and then I'm going to mention this too. So, you know, I, I work in the B2B space. I'm SaaS company, tech company. Um, as it relates specifically to my company and what I look at, I also look at our analytics on our support community. We have an online support community. I'm looking at how long people are, you know, when they log in, what kind of chats and ideas they're putting out there. That's a lot of great uh, content for my marketing team to use. So yeah, yeah, around. It's awesome. Um, yeah. And then from an operational standpoint within our business, we use a platform called 15.5 um, and it's to track uh, so we do weekly one-to-ones with our team members, but uh, we also have a weekly uh, kind of check-in that you do and you give it a happiness score. So across the company, I know what the happiness score is of our team members. And so if something's not going well in the business, that usually reflects in our happiness score. So like, again, being a, um, a company leader and, and really wanting to make sure that we're growing and scaling at the right clip. Uh, that's been a great platform for us. And then we also use Lessonly for internal training as well as external training. So Lessonly, again, has a lot of great content and data that we can pull into marketing and going, okay, what kind of content, what kind of campaigns can we create for training needs of our customers as well as training right. needs that I see for our company? Right. That was a fantastic list, Julie. <laughs> I'm trying to be concise. There's a lot of stuff right. out there, but yeah, um, I, would say, I, I can totally imagine. I would say if anyone's trying to get started with data, look at Google Analytics. Check out your Alexa web ranking. You may be shocked, and then yeah. um, pull it. You know, pull up your CRM. See what you can pull out of there uh, to get mm -hmm. started. 
Well, that's fantastic. And I mean, if, if I understood um, correctly what you've been saying over the past couple of minutes, it's it's that fine, it's that fine balance of like, you know, finding the right tools, um, free or paid. Um, but, you know, couple that with um, the right processes and systems and, uh, you know, that, that are in place, so that people um, can learn how to use them, uh, and continue to evolve as they're using them, right? Because this is a continuous process. It's It's not just okay, like, you know, use these platforms and then you're good to go, right? Yeah, no. And like one of the things I didn't mention was, you know, marketing automation platform. Uh, our CRM has all that built in. But, you know, for someone that's starting out, they have no budget. Maybe MailChimp is the way to go. There's a free version of that. Being able to pull in the analytics from that. I think whatever you can do to get your hands on, because um, if, you're, if you're flying blind in the world of marketing and you're not sure how your audience is responding to what you're putting out, like, how are you going to get better? And so, um, you know, I think of it, you know, super athletes, they track of everything that they do. They know that if they eat, uh, you know, a certain type of breakfast in the morning, how they're going to respond whenever they come up to their big tournament later that day. So like it's the same thing in marketing, you have to know what you're eating to know what's going to work going forward. So um, anywhere that you can do stuff on a digital platform, I think digital, I mean, super easy to measure in digital. Just make sure that you can get into the analytics, start digging around in it. Google search, whatever, to like, how do I read the analytics of Twitter? How do I read the analytics of YouTube? It's all out there. Um, and it's free. Like, I'm, I'm all about, like, what, where can I get the most bang for my buck? You don't need to spend a fortune. Um, also, here, here's my other tidbit of advice. Don't go pay for a consultant until you've actually started to, like, dig into the data yourself. Um, because you'll end up spending a lot of money and spending your wills and the consultant is just going to charge you by the hour. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. You, you know what? We, we come to uh, one of the favorite parts, um, uh, my favorite part of the interview anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Commonly held beliefs, conventional wisdom, you know, these, these funny little words. And, you know, you've got them in every discipline, right? So, in your opinion, I mean, talk to us about one of those beliefs um, that people have uh, when it comes to using data to drive marketing and why you strongly disagree with it. So uh, I think one of them that I've heard before is only marketing data can be used to drive marketing. And, you know, I am a firm believer that that is not the case because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, part of it is, as I look at my sales team and, you know, they're on the front lines of talking with prospects, they're the first people I go to, to ask about trends. Hey, what are you hearing? What are people saying? And then I can go to our services team and they'll tell me like, man, this customer was great to work with during the implementation. They had their stuff together. They worked on this for, you know, a couple of weeks before we even got on the call. I'm going, well, great. What is it about that customer that I can go out and find more customers just like that to get them into our pipeline? And then, you know, even working with our, our software developers of, you know, what features are you guys noticing that customers are really thrilled about? And then marketing can turn that around and create ideas and content around that type of stuff. So, um, and I mean, for the simple fact of I go into our support community and look at our data, I mean, that tells me how our customers are like in our products and where they're struggling and what kind of stuff can we put out there? And hopefully, and again, I want to make the lives of everyone in my company easier. What can we put out there on the interwebs that, uh, you know, 
hey, it's already out there. If someone has a question of how to solve an, an issue that keeps popping up and it's a simple fix, it's already on our Twitter account or we already have a video for it on YouTube and that just makes our support team's lives easier. So um, I think being able to use data, not just within marketing um, and also that also means marketers need to understand what's happening in the business. Again, I think a lot of times um, people get pigeonholed, they get, you know, focused on one thing and they don't think outside of what they're focusing on and working on, but just like getting a pulse read of what's happening. And again, not just in your business, but in your industry. I read a lot of industry magazines to know what's happening and what people are talking about, what's coming up, uh, especially in construction and uh, in government regulations. There's a, it's always changing. Um, so I think if people just, you know, focus on, look at data outside of marketing, um, yeah. they're, they're going to be super successful with that. Yeah, well, that's a great insight. And I think the word that you were trying to avoid saying, which, which is sacrilegious, by the way, is the word siloed, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> You're trying not to be siloed and trying to like expand the horizon a little bit, looking beyond, um, you know, what your, what your business unit or your department is doing, right? Yeah, I feel like siloed is, you know, a four letter word that we're not supposed to say. So <laughs> I, I try to use like hyper-focused and um, yeah. I mean, I get it because I, you know, there's times yeah. where I'm, I'm head down deep into something and, and I can mm -hmm. get hyper-focused. Uh, sure. And I also think too, if anyone is listening to this, that, you know, they're not in marketing, but this resonates with them, invite your marketing people to the table. Have them start talking about what they're doing in marketing and how does that apply to the initiatives that the company is doing. So, um, you know, sometimes marketing wants to be there, but they're not being invited and they don't know that they can just barge in and sit themselves down, uh, which is what I did. But um <laughs> But yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a holistic approach because if you're expecting one department to function on their own without giving them anything behind the curtain, um, mm -hmm. you know, the company as a whole is going to struggle. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Um, so talk to us about one thing that you think people should start doing and one thing you think people should stop doing when it comes to data marketing. Um or data for marketing rather in B2B? So I think people should stop disagreeing with people who quote unquote, don't get marketing and start talking to them about using the data. And, it, and um, again, I, this is how I got into the data and analytics um, earlier in my career. I was getting a lot of pushback from people that um, I think they thought they knew how to run a business and I thought they knew how to run a business. And then I would show them the black and white numbers of this is what our data is saying. And if they wanted to argue with the numbers, that was on them because they right. were no longer arguing with me. Um, mm. And so again, and I think it goes back to the communicating as marketers, we should be good at communicating, but taking that, those numbers. And again, marketers who say, Oh, I don't like numbers. Um, you're really good at communicating visually through graphics. So create mm -hmm. charts. And so like yes. being able to take a chart and tell someone the story behind that pie chart, that graph, whatever it is of, you know, what's working, what's not working. You start to create um, a more collaborative conversation instead of going to someone and saying, hey, we need money. Hey, I can't do this. Hey, I don't have time to do that. Um, turn it into more of a collaboration session. and. Uh, You'll slowly start to get those people who say, hey, I don't get marketing. They'll start to get it. And then they'll start to be a proponent 
of it. You know what, Julie, you laid that out so beautifully. I'm going to have to just recap a little bit what you said. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, no, I mean, it's, it, it's, it really is spot on. And, you, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because um, in a previous lifetime, I was a product marketer. And that was one of the things that um, one of my direct reports had always told me. Because um, I, I was there once, too, where we would keep getting pushback from sales, uh, even you know after we came back with all this analysis and what have you. And one of the things that she said, which I'll never forget, is like, you have to understand what it is that the data is telling you and extract those insights, right? Answer the question, so what, mm -hmm. right? And use that to tell, uh, you know, use the data to tell a story that convinces or not, not necessarily convinced, it's probably not the right word, but influences the other members of the organization and convinces them that this is the right approach to take. Because at the end of the day, you know, as cheesy as this is going to sound, we're all on the same team. Yeah. And also, or, if you don't feel like you're no. part of the same team, switch companies. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Julie, you know you've given you've given us so many uh, so many great and valuable insights. So we'll we'll go to the bit now where you uh, you know tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. <laughs> so now, I, now I get to explain why I'm I'm actually talking about this stuff. Yes, <laughs> my, my, my street cred. Um, yeah, so I describe myself as an analytics nerd and marketing geek, and I wear mm -hmm. that badge with privilege, and I just love it. Um, Amen. <laughs> like I, I love me a good chart and I love me some good graphics and, uh, like they, they just speak volumes to me. Um, so I work for a company called Beck technology. We develop pre-construction software for the construction industry. Um, started with them about nine years ago. And at that time we were, a, we were a company of 12 and I was the first marketing person that they had ever hired. So I was a marketing department of one, uh, for several years. And now we, um, I don't know the number because we're hiring like crazy, but we have over 60 employees and the marketing department this year is going to be up to seven. Um, yeah. So again, I'm not just blowing smoke whenever I say, talk to the people that say that they don't think that they know marketing, show them the data. It works. Um, yeah. And then myself, I'm born, raised, educated, everything. I live in Texas. Um, did a short little stint after college in Colorado and had a blast and then moved back do my master's uh, degree. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I'm, I'm third generation construction worker. So a lot of my wow. family still, um, they work out in the field or uh, they work for other construction companies. And um, so, I, you know, every single holiday, every single weekend, it's usually talking about construction and I feel like I'm at home. That's an amazing story. I mean, like talk about like the humble origins of the quintessential B2B marketer. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I um, it's funny because I started off in this industry in uh, human resources, and oh. yeah, I know. And whenever I tell people that, they're like, "Really, you?" And I'm like, "It's amazing." Um, <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed marketing. I love communicating, and so um, you know, I will say, you know, our company is going through a huge growth spurt right now, and uh, one of the things that we're really focusing on as a leadership team is making sure that we're scaling our company. Um, the right amount, making sure that our culture stays intact and, uh, and and giving people all the resources that they need to be successful. But I will say one of the things that, you know, we do these uh, 
and it's, it's not just marketing data, it's even company data. We do feedback uh, from our employees through surveys throughout the year. And uh, one of the things that I'm very proud of our leadership team is that they notice, hey, guys, we need to do a better job of communicating things that are happening in the business. So marketing is playing a bigger and bigger role um, externally and internally in our business. And, uh, and you know, thankfully, other people in the, in the company realize that a lot of things that marketers do well are things that we need to do better at within the company so that we can still be uh, we're best place to work in Dallas. We're going to keep doing that. And also, uh, we we hire in a very tough uh, space, so we want to make sure that we bring in the best applicants. And, uh, and the more that we can communicate in the right clip and uh, in the right tone and everything, it, it works well for our business. So inside and out. Fantastic, and I, I mean that 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 in itself is already quite an achievement. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, Julie. This has been such a great session. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing. Um, what's the best way for people out there to connect with you? Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'm going to say this. Um, one, if anyone sends me a LinkedIn request and make sure you put in a note in there that, hey, I listened to you on Christian's podcast, I will accept it 100% of the time. If you just send me a random LinkedIn request, uh, I get a lot of those from uh, salespeople. Um I, I may not accept it, but make sure that you, you say, hey, this is what I heard you from or listen to, and uh, let's connect on there. And I'd love to talk with people about data, about analytics, about marketing, about uh, how to market during a global pandemic, because I still don't know what to do. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love connecting with other marketers. There you have it, folks. You got, you got a pretty broad menu there of topics you can talk to Julie about, so come prepared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julie. Once again, this has been such an insightful and informative session. So thanks again for your time. Um, take care, stay safe, and talk to you soon. Thanks, Christian. All right, bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.